to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavanagh, where I take a weekly look at the trials and tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week, I'm going to do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters find themselves in, like, is hiding a criminal from your boyfriend a double ball offence? Or is murdering a murderer really a crime? Get ready to feel closer each day to Home and Away. Before I get started, I want to share a top tip to really enhance your home and away viewing, and that's no spoilers. So when you get to the end of your episode, hit pause, run for the remote, turn it on mute, and don't look at what's coming up next on the episode. I promise you it is a total game changer. Try it for one week and just see. Avoid the internet, avoid reading episode descriptions, avoid reading spoilers online, and perfect melodramatic thrills await you. Also, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. That's Bay spelt B-A-E-S. Oh, and what a start to the week it was. Maggie's secret is finally out. The cat is out of the bag. She took control of the runaway train and it's out there. Ben takes the news not very well, obviously, and I'm just glad that Maggie finally stood up to Marco and it came out on her own terms. The whole time this was happening, I was worried that Ben would walk in on Marco and Maggie talking about it. So I'm glad it happened in the comfort of their own home, in the farm. And it came out that way. She uh, Maggie explains the night. But why didn't they go into the fact that Marco was bribing her and blackmailing her and that just gets a little bit glossed over. Obviously, she's been lying for 22 years. Okay, I get that. With an insanely blocked nose, Maggie, she's had some kind of flu this entire run of events and it's just... (laughs) I just can't stop listening to it. And Ben runs away to the beach where everybody goes to sort out their problems. But how cringy was it the bit where he tried... He was like, I'm going to punch you, Marco. But he fully wasn't. His fist was like way back here. It was really like, oh, I'm going to hurt you. No, I'm not. It did not feel trend in any way by Ben there. But I understand though, because he's so upset because Maggie was always on such a pedestal and he always felt really inferior to her. And now this is totally, her lying for the past 22 years has totally leveled the playing field. And he goes on to say like, I thought Maggie was perfect. So I just feel really bad for Ben and it's just like a horrible thing to be going through. I'd also love, love, love to be a fly in the wall at Salt because all the main bust-ups happen at Salt and people are always screaming at each other or giving out or a lot goes on there than in any other places. Surf Club is a close contender but like the diner doesn't get as much action and so much goes down. Maggie finally stands up to Marco and... Marco totally was gaslighting Maggie being like, you can spin this however you want. You're the one who cheated. You're the one who lied. But hello, you're the one who's blackmailing and using it to make your failing business better. Like, mm, not buying that. And it kind of just seems like he was happy, more than happy to bluff his way through this. And while Ben and Marco go have some chats, they still don't really go into how much of a horrible person Marco is. Like, They kind of like, you're such a bad person, I'm not even going to bother with you. 
But hello, where is the repercussions? Okay, Marco definitely has zero morals. He press charges against Ben after he had slept with Maggie and then was cunning them into a plan to save his businesses where he had over-promised and under-delivered because he just comes across as very jealous brother, jealous that he never got his life together or found love. But he was playing all these games and as Ben said, you have no idea what family is. So I can't really get why... Marco's so hung up on this like 20 years on because like Maggie has obviously made quite the impression on him for him to want to have this revenge and play so like venomously with their lives. He's just coming from a very bitter place. And I also just can't really get my head around why Ben isn't in touch with his parents. Why wouldn't he if he maintained a relationship with them and said okay, I just don't talk to Marco. But unless Marco was like playing games or they had fallen out because my son punched the other son. But I wonder, does this set the scene then for Ben's parents to come into the show a little bit? I don't know. Also, Ben's hair is just, I think the more emotionally is, the more styled up it is. It's just incredible when it's all over his face when he was shouting at Marco on the beach. Ugh, it's just a piece of art. But the story then takes... This new direction I didn't see coming. And Jilly, who emailed in to the show, summerbayspodcast at gmail.com, she had a premonition about what was going to happen. And Jilly, you were spot on because Ziggy then starts to question her paternity. So they slept together right around the time that Ziggy figures out that she was conceived. And Ziggy goes on the warpath. And luckily Dean comes back to kind of try comfort her and kind of anchor her a little bit because she does completely go off the rails. Her sassy comments with Maggie, that depends if he even is my dad and you're the maths teacher, you do the maths. So she just gets really consumed by this and in true home and away fashion, as selfish as some of the characters can be, like she just gets so self-involved and consumed by the potential lie that she's been living that it's all she can do all she can talk about and all she can think about it and thank god Dean is there because he luckily comes back from that surf trip early and is a good comfort for her and I would have hated to have been in the room when the two potential dads Maggie and Ziggy end up in the room and they decide about the paternity test I think Ben was amazing in that process being like you'll always be my daughter it doesn't matter what happened or who Marco is you're still mine. And I think that was a lovely avenue that they, Maggie and Ben didn't go have to go down. It was just kind of based on Ziggy because it doesn't really make a difference. But I can understand why Ziggy feels terrible because she's like, dad quit his surfing career. He lost touch with his parents. And what was it all for? I can understand Ziggy's dismay, but I also, oh, I don't know. I just don't think you should be so mean to your mom. And she's almost giving Maggie ammo, but I'm glad it's all out in the open. And Rue is being a fantastic support to Maggie. And poor Ben has a lot to deal with, not only his daughter's paternity, but also his wife's infidelity. It's kind of in his hands whether or not the relationship will succeed. But I really, oh, that would mean if, if Ziggy's dad is actually Marco, that would mean that Marco's hanging around for a while, which creates many problems for Maggie. And it could actually see the end of their relationship because how do you even cope with finding out your dad isn't your dad and it's actually your uncle? 
I'm just I just wasn't prepared for this direction of the story but I really hope it's not Marco because he's someone who really just because he's someone who's very vindictive he's not very nice and he's no problem lying to get what he wants so hopefully he's not sticking around but I kind of feel like he's juicy enough to stick around or are they just going to leave him hanging the balance there like is he just going to fade into the background now if the DNA test results are in favour of Ben I don't know one thing to also look out for is Ben calls Ziggy babe and I love him as a character I really do but I don't agree with calling your daughter babe I find that a little bit weird because it maybe it's just used differently down in Australia than it is here. But it's not a phrase I think a father should call a daughter by any stretch of the imagination. That aside, we are heading towards the DNA test. And I don't know which way that it's going to go. I'm just glad that Dean is there because I think he's a, weirdly enough, comparison to the Dean that came first came to Summer Bay. He's been great at reassuring Ziggy along with Ben but really great at keeping her grounded because she's the kind of spicy personality that would just totally lose the plot and I'm happy that he's there being like you love your mom and do your dad will always be your dad so I'm happy that that is all happening and Dean is also non-stop supporting people this week and he gets involved once more with Mac and Ari and makes sure that Mac knows about his criminal past. She quips back, none of your business, which is great. I really feel like it isn't really much of his business. Because then we have Colby starting to want what he can't have. I love when he talks to Mac and I think he drops his wallet on the ground. He can't pick it up or something. And he's just coming in from the gym. And he's like, oh, sorry about the sweat. And he's like trying to seduce her. Oh, it's so good. More flirting. It's just so good. Dean is telling Colby to move on from Mackenzie. This goes in one ear and out the other. When Colby sees Ari and Mac together, he starts to understand why Mac might be playing cold with him. And Dean then tells Colby that they met in jail. So then this enters into Colby and Dean having quite a home truths, hard, almost brotherly chat about Ross's burial. And it they, it seems to me that they've used the Ari storyline with Dean and Colby to maybe crowbar in a mention of Ross's burial. And maybe they're trying to make it a little bit more relevant again because I envision the way Colby is going to leave the show is because the murder of Ross will come out at some stage and that'll be the one, that's his Achilles heel, that will be what clinches him. And I wonder, is dropping Ross into the conversation a means to do that, to kind of make people remember it again and get characters talking about it again? So the backstory to Ross is, Colby and Bella share the same mum. Bella had a different dad and so did Colby. So many years ago, back in the Mangrove River days, before Colby was a cop, Colby's mum remarried Ross and Ross murdered Colby's dad. Colby figures all this out and threatens Ross. Ross goes on the run with Bella and Bella and Colby's mum and Colby never sees them again for a long time. We're talking years here. In that meantime... Ross, in a fit of rage, kills Colby and Bella's mum and buries her in the back garden. Bella is then raised essentially like this kind of like street kid in the complete wilderness, total outback, only by Ross. So Colby eventually finds her and rescues her from Ross. 
and brings her back to Summer Bay and kind of socialises her and is so happy he's found her but it's just obviously it still is an adjustment period some might say but Ross is of course always hiding in the shadows and looking for when he can get Bella back Colby gets married to his cop girlfriend Chelsea of at the time and on the way to their honeymoon Chelsea, Willow and Bella are all kidnapped by Ross. He hijacks their limo, drives them out to the outback. In the Dean and Colby cop on, they find them. Willow ends up getting shot by Ross. Didn't endanger her life, just shot her in the chest kind of area. She survives. But Colby and Dean enter into a massive car speed chase and finally get Ross. And much to Dean's discouragement, Colby shoots Ross which begs the question is murdering a murderer really a crime (laughs) because in that moment Colby was definitely acting out of self-defense but he was also consumed by his own rage so mm, it's a difficult difficult balance there anyway they bury the body and try to forget about it which leaves Dean with like PTSD and issues we won't even go into but it puts Dean in a very very Difficult situation. Colby's now wife, Chelsea, cops on and they divorce because she can't live with him knowing what he did. So then if we just fast forward now into Dean giving out to Colby. Dean says like, Ari looked out for me on the inside and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Whereas you made me bury a body and he looked out for me when I was in trouble. So, and they don't really go back into that. Colby seems a little bit unaffected by it. So that's why I think it's, a little bit of a refresher that the Ross story might be coming back at some point. Hopefully not soon because I really do adore Colby and I don't want him to leave the show but I kind of feel like that would be in my waters. Not that I like spoilers but that's just the reason I think that that's being brought up. But yeah, it was a good few home truths there from Deanie Pooh I must say and it Colby seems fairly unaffected by it because he then goes and squares up to Ari in the middle of assault another time where you like to be a fly in the wall just want to point that out and there's just a whole lot of fuss going on about Ari and Mackenzie so Gemma's thrown her oar in being like do you really want to get with the cop's ex and then you have Dean getting involved so it's just kind of like I hope it's all all this fuss is worth it and I suppose at the end of the week Colby does kind of wind down with Mac and say oh look I will back off so you don't need to worry so I don't know and then with Bella we have the aftermath of I like you (laughs) we're screaming to Nick on the beach at the end of Friday's episode last week luckily Ryder plays some Cupid it is very cute Uh, they end up having a kiss and delighted for Bella that she seems much lighter she seems to be being able to put the past behind her despite the lack of counselling but anyway their pool game was a bit of fun, I guess, to Bonnie and Clyde, you know, fooling the local boys. But that gap-toothed boy who they play against, he was Ryder's friend in school. I forget his name, but he wanted, he was under all this pressure from his dad um, to do well in the HSE, but he wouldn't study and he kept wanting to cheat. And he was going to drug Rue with uh, sleeping tablets so he could copy off Ryder during the HSE. The point in me saying that is I'm glad he got rused by Bella and Nick. That was good. I just thought a bit of karma is no harm. And then Bella is very cute talking to Ryder about her first kiss. And then Gemma equally is cute talking uh, about Bella to Nick. Just so cute. She's such a great mom. I absolutely love her. But then things escalate so fast. Because now we have Bella talking about wanting to have sex with, 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 with Nick. And it's just too much 
far too soon. And Willow has had a tough week this week. She have uh, quite the wrath, gone around firing everyone. That poor girl really did not deserve the treatment. Oh, like, how rude. And I would hate if she was my boss. Oh my God, how mean is she? I know she's gone through heartbreak, but that was just like an unnecessarily mean bit. Anyway, so why is she the person to be giving sex advice to Bella? I The checklist was good, but she probably should have reported it to, to Colby. But like, I suppose Bella makes a good point of like, you cannot tell this to him. You've just had your first kiss and now you want to have sex. And then now she gets Colby out of the apartment and then has him over looking gorgeous. I don't think Nick's a bad guy, but because he knew what was going on, he knew Bella's history and she is a very convincing person. She's very intense and she won't stop until she gets what she wants. But it just all seems a bit rushed and I feel like a bit of like a stubborn mule with this story. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going any further. This is not right. This shouldn't be happening. And so I, I wonder what will happen next week now. I'm not too sure. Which then leads to... Leah and Justin so she decides at the beginning of the week she's not doing her victim impact statement she thinks it'll get in the way of her recovery she's just trying to get on with things but then she heads back to work she's happy being behind the scenes but when she's put on the floor and that guy calls her sweetheart she realises then I definitely really need to do the victim impact statement and I'm so glad she did when she met Colby, I thought it was interesting because Douglas is pleading for the lighter sentence. If she does the victim impact statement, it will seal the deal and he'll be put away forever. Uh, so when she makes the statement, God, it was awful. And I thought um, Leah acted it really well. And what she said about like Justin's touch make my skin crawl and I can't accept his or like anyone's affection. I thought that that's a really good way of explaining and the victim side of sexual abuse and... It shone a great light on a very kind of sensitive topic and the different ways that it affects her. Like there's no one size fits all. It all affects people in different ways. You think you're fine and go back to work and then an incident happens and it tips you over the edge. So I do think the way they handled that was lovely and Justin obviously being the dream boyfriend. And I love it how they keep having this check-in about their sex life. Like it's like, I'm sorry I can't get close to you. I want to and... You know, it's all very slow, but like this only really has only been a few weeks. And I know the relationship started very much as like friends with benefits, but, you know, she's been through a huge thing. And I think it's nice that they're naming it, but they've had a lot of these chats and I feel like there's going to be more coming. So it's a bit like, okay, we can all just take our time here. There is just no rush. (laughs) And finally, there was some gorgeous moments between Tori and Jasmine in the hospital. They start talking kids. She she thinks she knows she's going to have a boy and it's going to call it Ryan. And the two of them are like, we'll be family now. And Tori is starting to really like look after Jasmine and she just seems so happy. So fingers crossed this is all going to go well. There's a lot of pressure on it too. Ooh. We'll see how that goes. But I am looking really looking forward to next week. What is Ben going to do? Is Marco sticking around? Who's the daddy? Oh, it's all... It's all going off down in Summer Bay. So that about wraps it up for me today. If you want to get in touch, you can email summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-E-S. And don't forget about the no spoilers. Just try for one week and see. It's a total game changer. Don't look at the episode descriptions. Don't watch what's coming up next. It's super tempting, but it's so worth it. G'day, and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>